Uh, it's a privilege to open God's word for you. Uh, thank you uh, so much, John, for the for the prayer. Uh, that was just lovely. I was sort of like I normally open up in prayer uh, just before I'm about to open up God's scriptures, but uh, I feel very much like uh, we have asked God for those powerful and important things already, and he's faithful. So uh, why don't we kick in? Uh, we're in 1 Peter chapter 5 uh, this evening. Yeah, I'd encourage you, if you've got a Bible or a Bible app, have it open, because I've got a lot of the verses up on the screen that I'm going to be referencing, but not always. And there's not always logic to that, sadly. Sometimes that's just how it happened. Um, so I'd love you to have it open there. It is really, really helpful. Uh, now, I didn't choose Ephesians last week for that purpose. It just happened to be in there. But last week, we did hear a little bit about the role, a bit about the role of a pastor teacher. And this week, we dig into a bit more to the inside world of an overseer, into the heart. So if last week was a job description, this week is about the heart. What does the gospel do in the heart of the elder such that they will elder well? Now, that's scary for us elders, and uh, particularly Stephen and Matt, the new ones. Uh, But all heart surgery is actually scary. Don't you think? Heart surgery is actually a very scary thing, but heart surgery saves people. It saves the people around us from anguish. And God willing, this passage will do the same for us tonight. But just in case you're thinking of getting out the popcorn, uh, ready to watch Matt and Stephen and Tim and Steve and I all take our medicine, um, these verses are God's prescription for overseers because... They are the kinds of things that will make people with responsibilities more like Jesus as they discharge them so that they will actually take care of the people under them well. So I wonder, do you have anyone you manage at work? Do you have uh, some little souls that you care for, either in your average week or now with Little Souls Church? Uh, do, Do you have any younger Christians at church who might be looking at you to learn how to live for Jesus. Well, if you are that, or one day you think you might be that, then here's some hard work for you to do, for us to do. This will be good for us all. So we're going to get into it. What kind of medicine is, has uh, Peter got for us here? Let's read verse 1. Uh, verse one. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also share in the glory to be revealed it's an appeal, an exhortation. Pete's like a personal trainer, and he's asking for something more from us this afternoon. So like a good trainer, he gives it in equal parts, encouragement and instruction. But I want you to hear that. Do you hear that right at the start? This is the kind of talk you're about to hear. It's a G up. It's, 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 a, it's a trainer who's there. Get yourself ready to hear encouragement and also instruction. Now, notice the three things about the kind of trainer that Stephen and Matt have here in verse 1. He is an elder like them. So, brothers, quite literally, this passage was written for you by a bloke doing the same job that you are now about to start doing. He's a colleague colleague showing you the ropes. Now, particularly fallible colleague. (laughs) This bloke denied Jesus three times and, and many other blunders along the way. But he knows what you're about to get yourselves in for, and he's got some advice for you in your new role. But he's also got something that you don't have. He's an eyewitness. See, the man who's telling you, hey, this stuff is important, he was there. He was there when Jesus was killed. 
he was when the universe changed as the eternal God, the second person of the Trinity who had taken on flesh was killed. He watched it happen. He's a very unique. He's got a very unique kind of certainty that the gospel is true. And that's why it's so important to him that his elders like him shepherd well, because this stuff is true. I was there, he says. Now, the third thing he wants you to know about him is that he will be there on the last day next to you. He'll take the crown of life alongside all of us. Because it's that hope, that sort of expectation of a future that fuels good eldership. You see, elders are working towards something, something beautiful, something significant. A, a people for God, a, a human humanity, a new humanity, living in glory with Jesus forever. That is the prize for which we are striving. And Peter draws our attention to that. There are the three things about the instructor. But now, the instruction. What's the instruction? Here it is. Shepherd them. Shepherd them. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Tenderly guide this group of people to pasture. Lead them to spiritual water. Put yourself between them and danger and then lead them far away from it. Now, I don't know quite what you think of when you think of a shepherd's job. Um, I was at someone's house yesterday who had sheep, so that was like, oh, maybe they've got a good perspective on it. But um, I've heard lots of talks where they'll, you know, compare the, the, the role of ancient shepherds and, and how they sort of had to lead them through, you know, parts of Israel. And, and so you had to know the historical evidence to, and, and the archaeology to know what he really means when he says to shepherd. And because and it was so different from modern shepherding and how that works um and you know sheep are just so different these days like they're just not the same you know and so what we've got to do is look at ancient history to understand how what peter means when he says shepherding but i don't think that's quite the way that we need to and i say that because shepherding isn't a metaphor that peter made up it's actually an old one it's an old one Bible writers had been using for the previous thousand years. And Peter was raised on the Old Testament. When he's talking shepherding, that, that's the well he's drawing from, this Old Testament. So when Peter says shepherd, it's the biblical data that we should use to understand what does he mean that job is. So we, we know Matt and Steve's job description and what it, what it means. Now, we've got three bits of the biblical data here. First one is from Ezekiel and Zechariah, and actually it goes through all of the Old Testament prophets, where shepherd, particularly after King David, was a metaphor used by God for the job that he gave Israel's leaders. It was his job that he gave the kings. And what happened? Well, they kind of botched it. And you can see it here in uh, Ezekiel, this is 34 verse 3, I think. Uh, you eat the curds, you clothe yourselves with the wool, and you slaughter the choice animals, but you don't take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak. You haven't healed the sick. You haven't bound up the injured. They're good images for us to have what shepherding is, isn't it? You've not brought back the strays. You've not searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. 
You can sort of see down in verse 2, this is clearly the kind of passage that's on Peter's mind because he says later on, you don't do this for, for shameful gain or dishonest gain, depending on your translation that you got there. It's not about you and what you can get out of it. That's what, that's what the old shepherds did. Don't be like that. As soon as I'm in this job for me, to benefit me, I, I need to pray to God for some heart surgery, some radical heart surgery, or I better start looking for a new job. Now, given the rate of pay for a non-teaching elder that, you know, Matt and Stephen will be on, which is to say zero, um, that's unlikely that they'll be doing it for money, for that kind of dishonest gain. But, but brothers, don't do this for status. I won't give you that. Don't do this for reputation to make yourself, or to make yourself feel good. Oh, I've got this godly job that I'm doing so I can think, feel well about myself now. Because it won't do that and it shouldn't do that. In fact, actually, maybe that's something for all of us, though. When you think of the good things that you do, do you do it because then you're allowed to feel good about yourself because then you'll be a good person? See, it's still a good thing to do a good thing, but there's something not quite right there. What we need to do is think about how, well, I'm going to do this because it brings honour to my Lord. That's, that's, that's my job. I'm under an over-shepherd. You see, it's only the blood of Jesus that saves you, you, me, all of us. It's the, and that is the thing that is sufficient for God to love you as well as he could possibly ever love you, as deeply as anyone could be loved. And you have that. You have that already. We don't serve for that. So for no kind of dishonest or shameful gain does, a minister, does a, an elder elder. We serve for the benefit of others and for the glory of God. Uh, next Old Testament bit is Psalm 23, uh, one of those famously beautiful bits of the Bible. And, and it's sort of like the shepherd's roadmap to, to what, what a shepherd does. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He, he leads them to food and to water and away from danger. Uh, as you see there down the bottom, uh, the, the staff and the rod, which you can imagine kind of there's a bit of a probably a bit of whacking involved, I'm imagining, in sort of getting the sheep to go where they need to kind of go. That is actually, David says, a comfort to me, the sheep. Because it means I know the way. I've got guidance, even if it's a bit awkward and difficult and annoying to, to get that guidance at times. See, John Calvin said of 1 Peter 5, shepherding is uh, more about feeding than about leading. I want to feed people, lead them to food, feed our people the word of God that will give them life and refresh their soul. And so, brothers, use the Bible in your eldering. Use your word of God in your shepherding. Even if it's John 3.16, the one thing that you can give people, give them that. Remind them of the truth of the gospel and who the Jesus who loves them really, really is. Now, they'll need that. We will all need that because as we, as we heard uh, later on in, uh, where are we, verse 8... Be watchful. There is an adversary who's out there prowling. He's trying to convince people that God is not good and trying to convince people that God doesn't actually love them. He's trying to convince people Jesus is not the Christ and that there's other things that they should invest their life in. We need to keep bringing them back to the food of Scripture so that, that he does not win. We need to protect our flock. Now, the last one here, uh, that I'm, I mean, there's more that we could dip into, but the last passage we will is uh, John chapter 10. You see, Jesus, when it got to him, he didn't just warn his sheep away from danger, but having got themselves into trouble with, with not trusting God, with sin as kind of we want to do, 
he put himself between the danger of God's wrath and the sheep. You see, if you're here for the first time or not yet a Christian, well, this is why we follow Jesus here at Seoul, because he's the leader who puts himself between the sheep and danger. Jesus stepped in and said, God, as this, they planned this from the start, of course, but said, God, take me and my life so that we might together be both just and merciful on those sheep who deserve it. He stood between us and danger. Out of love, the God of this world died for the creatures that he made. What's not to love about that guy? What's not to want to follow about a leader like that? It's unlike perhaps some of the leaders that we have in our earthly world. And while I don't think that it's likely that there'll be a need for me to die for Soul Church's benefit anytime soon, that's got to be the kind of attitude that elders have, right? You want to be like Jesus. So brothers, if you're unsure how to shepherd when we don't know what to do, and there'll be confusing and difficult circumstances, stop and remind yourself of what God has been like towards you. It's sort of one of those moments when what would Jesus do isn't the stupidest thing to say. It's, it's not so bad, right? Uh, how did Jesus shepherd and how could I be like that to those who I love, who I'm trying to help in these tricky situations? All right. Shepherding is the task. We've unpacked a little bit of what shepherding means. But we're also given some key qualifiers here as to how they are to shepherd. Number one, not under compulsion, but willingly. Eagerly. God wants elders who are keen. Stephen and Matt, is this is a task that you can say no to. No one would blame you. No one would think less of you. In fact, it would take a serious godliness at this point of the process to say, actually, you know what? I don't know that this is me. This is a commitment to make sure that you start with joy with a sense of freedom, with a sense that I'm choosing this because it honours my God and isn't that a beautiful thing? God wants elders who can say, I chose this. And, I, and I'm guessing in part because it will change the quality of your eldering. Hard work is very different when it's something you love, something you believe in, something that you in your freedom in Christ freely chose. This is a character we need to have. As we mentioned before, number two, this is not for shameful gain. This won't make you powerful. It won't make you any godlier won't enhance your reputation. It's not about you. Because, of course, at some point, it, it will, in our sinful hearts, it'll be tempting to feel that way, that this is about me. Somehow it is about me, about whether I'm even a good elder. But it's not. It's a labor of love, but it's not about what you get out of it. It's about what the people you love get out of it. And lastly, thirdly, not domineering. Elders cannot be domineering. Instead, they're to be examples to the flock. Now, if you've um, been following certain podcasts, you may have heard of examples recently of churches where, uh, where elders, where teaching elders uh, have been accused of and have left churches and have been kicked out of churches because they were domineering. See, there's a type of leadership that loves the power, uh, that kind of enjoys the processes and being at the center of things and, and loves the results and what that means about them. And then loves that they are the ones who get to make the things happen that they want to happen. Now, uh, is anyone here a fan of Tolkien? Uh, anyone? I don't know the room, so I'm just trying to get to know people. Okay, just a couple, not too many. All right. Everyone else, bear with me. <laughs> There's a character in Tolkien called Faramir, played by an Australian. Very cool guy. Um, and uh, he has this wonderful quote about why it is that he fights 
why it is that he is in war and why it is that he, he does these things that seem either so glorious or maybe brutal, depending on your perspective on it. And he says, I don't love the bright sword for its sharpness, nor the arrow for its swiftness, nor the warrior for his glory. I love only that which they defend. Isn't that what matters? God's people. So brothers, don't love the power, love the people. Don't love the authority. Just love that you get more opportunities to point people that you love to Jesus, who loves them even more than you do. I mean, cast your eye down to verse, verse 4. You see, while shepherds, elders are shepherds, they're not actually at the top of the chain. They're not the owners of the sheep. They're kind of hired shepherds, shepherds under another shepherd. And so us shepherds shouldn't go around acting like we own the place. I certainly, I certainly don't. In fact, what it's saying here, this is the key thing, you are always more fundamentally a sheep than a shepherd. The elders always, more fundamentally, more truly, most, it's more true to say of you that you are a sheep needing Jesus to be your shepherd than an under-shepherd. We're, we're beggars who found bread and are just desperately looking to tell other beggars where we found it. Begging them now to come to the same place we did to have their needs met by Jesus. Their needs met. Oh, I said it again wrong. Their needs met by Jesus. You see, we're very fallible shepherds. We lead by example of us going to Jesus, of us repenting in front of you, saying, hey, here's where I stuffed up. Here's where I do stuff up. I've got to go to God and say, sorry. Go to Jesus. Why don't you come with me? Let's repent together. Rather than you need to be like this. Because I say so. Because we're all sheep who need to go to Jesus. Now, look, the good thing is I think you've chosen really well. <laughs> I, love having, I love being able to preach a sermon. I'm like, you know what? I kind of see this in these guys already. I think the, the, from the small bits that I know of these men, that is the character that they have. Now, lastly, to the brother elders, the God who doesn't need you in order to save people, who's sovereign over everything in this world, he will bless you on the last day for your service. Now, I say this to you not to, not to give you an extra incentive to do it, but so that you don't look for the short-term blessings in the, in, the, in the interim. Wait for him. Verse 6, humbly, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. You see, we work for an audience of one, and this is true of all of us as Christians. Don't try to please men. Don't try to please women. <laughs> Don't try to look like a good elder in front of the other elders. Don't try and look impressive at presbytery. Don't try and impress me. Don't fear men. Don't fear women. Don't fear the anxiety, the difficulties of the job, whether you'll, do, whether you'll mess something up or whether you'll do it perfectly. As we sang, Jesus has conquered all of those things. It's such a beautiful kid's song I've chosen. Well done, whoever did that. Thank you. So instead, brothers, we keep our integrity, humble ourselves under the mighty God and make the decisions that in your wisdom, with the wisdom that you have got, limited though it is, best you think please him. And, and after that makes you look foolish or you, you, you stuff something up or people misunderstand you as you try and do the right thing for the gospel and the right thing for church, but some people don't think that it is. Or, or your guts are hurting inside because you, you, you know you've offended someone and you're going to go and you're going to work it out with them and you're going to apologize wherever it was your fault, but, but you would, in your heart you're doing the right thing. Or, or you're uncertain because you're taking your stand on what you're sure will please God because of what the Bible says, even when the minister thinks something different. 
after all of those hard things that you did that were godly, at the proper time, the King of Kings will reward you for that. He'll lift up your head. He'll exalt you. And that'll be the only reward that you'll ever need. Shepherds, we, speak, we, we, we shepherd for the audience of one. All right, we've addressed the elders. Now apparently there's a word to the youngest. See that there? It's the rest of us. No matter how old you are, you're the youngest for the rest of us. And in the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. It's a little bit funny, isn't it? In the same way? Why in the same way? They're, they're, they're the bosses and they're the unders, isn't that how it works? In what sense is it in the same way? They've got all the power, we don't. Well, the same reasoning applies. They are subject to God in their eldering. And we are subject to God as his sheep. We submit to our elders for the same reason that they elder in the way that he's just described. Because Jesus is king. He's the chief shepherd. See, in verse 5, for all of us, humility is the stance that we've got to take. We humble ourselves before God. And we do that similarly in the people that God has given us to shepherd us. Now, look, it's a, it's a weird time in the world. Uh, we're after a crazy couple of years of COVID and, and interactions with governments and, and, and with restrictions and with people. There's, there's a hundred different ethical decisions that have been thrown our way over the last couple of years that have not come up before. It's been tricky. It's been hard. Sometimes it's even felt like uh, the world has kind of been pushing at us and prodding at Christianity harder than it has been before, maybe. Probably isn't true. Probably has been always like this, but, but it might feel that way. And you see in verses 9 to 11, the people that Peter is writing to the people Peter is writing to there are going through a bit of a rough time at the same time as well. See that? The same kinds of suffering are being experienced by a brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, you see that there's a time it's really hard. Not outright persecution, like you sort of get in Revelation or other things like that. But, but, but it's tricky. It feels like it might be similar to what we're going through. Tricky to faithfully follow Jesus. But after this time, well, see, see there in verse 10, after this time, the God of all grace, the God of like being treating you like a favorite when you don't deserve it, that God who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Stick with Jesus as, as one of the, well, soon to be officially, I guess, one of the elders here. Stick with Jesus. Go to him. Um, th there will be hard times here and now. And yet, know that after the hard times, the one who has called you will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You see, verse 7 tells us to cast our cares on God, not on the elders. Cast your cares, verse 7, cast your cares on God. Of course, we want to talk to our elders about our anxieties, for sure. We're all meant to lean on each other. But, but the fundamental character of the Christian is that we turn these conversations, once we've had them, that, hey, this is really hard. Hey, I'm freaking out about this. Hey, I, I, don't, really, I don't know what to do about this. We want lots of those conversations. But the fundamental Christian thing to do there is where we entrust ourselves and all the things that worry us to our Father in prayer. Because your elders will listen to you, and that's awesome. And that will feel good, and you'll get it off your chest a bit, and you might even act, that might even give you all you need, really, just to keep on going for the next week. But, but there's only one being in this universe capable of sorting your life out, capable of saving you from everything you need to be saved from. 
we must turn our conversations into prayer together. Even if they're just short ones. Cast all your anxiety on him. And so brothers, back to the elders again, do not listen to a member of the flock and think that your job is done until you have led them to Jesus in prayer. Take them to him. He's the one who's going to shoulder the burden. He's the one who can carry it, not you. So brothers and sisters, last words. Know that Jesus, Jesus, he cares for you. He's listening to you. He's listening for you to pray to him. He wants to hear from you. This verse, cast your prayer, cast your, well, I've got to read it properly, make sure I get it. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. This is God saying, please tell me. Asking for you to tell him about it. And he is able to give you everything that you need. So I think it makes sense now for us together, as we're about to induct some elders, to pray to the over-shepherd. The fate of soul does not ultimately rest on these men, but on the shoulders of the almighty God, on the shoulders of the one who shouldered his cross. Let's ask him to shepherd us. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, you are the good shepherd. You're, you're, uh, sorry, you, you gave us the good shepherd. Your son Christ shouldered his cross, took our sin away, put himself between us and the danger of your judgment against the sin that rightly we should have shouldered. Thank you. Jesus is so good to us. You have been incredible to us. You continue to be. Father, we ask that you might help Matt, Stephen, and Steve, and Tim, and me to elder in the way that Jesus did, to have your character, that we would shepherd the flock of God that is among us, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have us, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in our charge, but being examples to the flock. Father, we pray that all of us would clothe ourselves with humility towards each other, because you oppose the proud and give grace to the humble. And Lord, we ask that Jesus, our chief shepherd, will come soon, that together we will enjoy receiving the unfading crown of glory. We ask it in his name.